Are you a manager who is eager to change the trajectory of your career? I have spent the last 23 years as a Fortune 50 leader learning from other industry leaders how to break free from limiting beliefs and habits. On the Might and Motion podcast, we focus on the four M's, motivation, momentum, mindfulness, and might. We bring you leaders from Fortune companies, doctors, and entrepreneurs. Their stories of living their own might in motion will inspire you to create your own action plan and achieve your goals. Welcome to Might in Motion. Today's episode of Might in Motion is brought to you by Pantheon FM, Fortunes Magnified. Pantheon FM is changing the world through entrepreneurship. In this community, you will find everything you need to create, amplify, and monetize your world-changing business. Join us at pantheon.community forward slash register forward slash LAUA. I am pleased to introduce you to Samar Faruqi. He's a global tech executive with 20 years international experience in strategy, innovation, transformation, and managing complex organizations. He's a proven leader, and I love his story of how he stepped up to the plate to become seen as a leader. Samar, welcome to Might in Motion. Great. Thank you for having me. I am really excited to get to know you a bit better. I've heard you, your story in other spaces, and I just had to invite you to be on Might in Motion to talk to other young, growing leaders on how they can improve their leadership skills and create their own momentum in their career. I think what was probably the most inspiring story I've heard you tell, and I would love for you to tell it again here, is how you stepped up to the plate to be seen as a leader during a very strenuous interview process. Sure, so uh, let me take you back to earlier in my career. Um, so. Oh, let's see now. This is quite a few years back, but uh, I won't say a number of years. Rather, the situation is what's important here. Um, so I had the opportunity to interview with a major consulting firm and something that I was uh, very excited to do. It was uh, part of a, a career opportunity that I was really looking for. Um, and when I graduated from college, uh, I didn't get the opportunity. I had hoped to join a firm of that caliber at that time, unfortunately. Um, but a few years later, you know, with some experience and further exposure, uh, I was actually approached by them and invited to interview uh, for them in London, you know, for a, a pretty senior position, which was quite exciting for me. Um, so, you know, taking that opportunity very seriously, and I didn't want to fluff it in any way. Um, as soon as I got the, that interview date, I took a, a, about a week off from my previous job, the mm -hmm. current job there and uh, focused on you know, practicing the interview techniques and understanding and reading anything I could find out about the types of questions they tend to ask at these sorts of consulting organizations and what the expectations are, et cetera. And then, you know, uh, made a clear plan and agenda exactly. It was a full day long process, by the way. So it started at eight in the morning and finished at six in the evening. And, you know, there was uh, interview after interview and then a case study interview and et cetera, et cetera. So a very thorough uh, process in a very competitive field. And the type of competition uh, you'd be up against uh, for these types of roles, you know, were the kind of these uh, Ivy League types. Uh, no no disrespect to anyone from the Ivy League, <laughs> but, uh, you know, that was often the uh, the first choice for this organization. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, okay, I, I need to be a prepared as best I can, uh, but also, you know, have some uh, tricks and techniques up my sleeve uh, to be ready. So I knew, you know, going into that process that uh, on the first half of the day would be, you know, one-to-one interviews and so on. And then there'd be a, uh, a discussion with a group. And then later on in the afternoon, uh, there was going to be a, a case study in a group. And so to set the scenario, uh, we were in, put into a, a large group. I think there were maybe 12 or 15 of us, something like that, of these candidates, uh, and put into a boardroom, like an apprentice style of, mm-hmm. uh, I'd say, in the U.S., right? So we were put in that boardroom and given a case study, right? So somebody walked into the room and handed out these pieces of paper around the boardroom table. And as they were doing that, uh, uh, the partners of the firm uh, filed in and sat on chairs uh, all around uh, the sides of the room uh, to watch us, you know, with clipboards. And so you knew uh, that, you know, they're watching you. Uh, the issue was really seeing you know, how you perform in that environment. You know, so we had, you know, uh, five, 10 minutes to digest the case study or whatever it was. I don't remember. It was so supremely important. Um, uh, but, you know, there was some, uh, you know, a bit of uh, business challenge in there, finance challenge, some uh, controversies, some obvious decisions, some not so obvious decisions that had to be made. And the uh, request was, you know, to uh, prepare between us, you know, uh, an approach to the problem presented, right? Yeah. With no other guidance other than, look, you hear the facts and the figures, you need to discuss that and then come up with a, um, a presentation effectively in terms of what to do. What advice would you give the client given this scenario? And so we're left with that. Um, And so, you know, after five, 10 minutes, is it okay? You know, you're on the clock, let's get started. So as soon as, you know, they started, uh, immediately, you know, some people start to uh, say, oh, I think it should be this, I should do this, I think it should be that way. And I immediately knew, you know, scanning the room that you had those personalities in there, the alpha types who want to jump in straight away. And again, not to disrespect any alphas who are listening here, but I knew immediately that, you know, it's not the game here necessarily to be the first one to speak. And that's not going to impress uh, the, the audience here, the, the partners watching. But rather, it's what you had to say and how you said it that mattered, not necessarily that you were first to speak. But immediately, you know, uh, the alphas jumped up, uh, actually didn't jump up physically, but raised their voices and started talking mm-hmm. over people. Um, so we had that for a couple of minutes and then other people started to answer them and say, no, I, I hear you, but I think it should be there. So we're trying to demonstrate their negotiation skills. And then I thought, okay, you know, as this was going on now, kind of five, six minutes had elapsed and uh, there was no progress being made other than a sort of debate. I thought if this carries on, the clock will run out and no one will have mm-hmm. solved the problem that we asked to do. So I had the, the brainwave uh, to stand up. So I took a pause a step, I moved back from the table and stood up. And then suddenly everyone swiveled their eyes to me. And no one had thought to do that. Now suddenly I'm standing at the boardroom table. Everyone in the room is looking at me. So I paused dramatically. People are thinking he's going to, is he going to throw up? Is he going to walk out of the room? Uh, What's what's he going to do? And uh, he's looking at me and I, I looked at them and then I grabbed one of the, uh, the whiteboard markers on the table and there was a whiteboard in the corner of the room. And I purposefully and deliberately took confident strides towards that whiteboard with the pen in my hand and turned around and said, 
Uh, great, John. I love your idea. Let me just put it down here. Uh, let me hear from, from Peter. Let me hear from Jane. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? What do you think? Okay, great. Let's start putting those down and putting these ideas into categories in terms of how and why we might be able to advise a customer on this uh, choice of action, et cetera. And so uh, within a few seconds, I had the, the whole room, A, looking at me, and B, suddenly falling into line by the fact that I was holding the pen at the front of the room and taking their ideas, and they psychologically did not feel those ideas were qualified until I had written them down. So wow. by, by sheer force of personality, if you like, uh, I wouldn't say I'm an alpha type, but by playing the role of standing up and being the authority figure in the room, immediately all these people fell into, ah, okay, so you're effectively the leader. Uh, all right. So they started putting the ideas to me and I started scribbling them down. And then uh, one uh, one of the lady who was there also took the plunge and stood up with me and then started to help me out and started to facilitate the room, et cetera. So, uh, you know, we got through the exercise and at the end of that, I had noted on the board, you know, here were the, the five inputs, here were the, the critical decision points, here's what we think is a recommendation and circle that and then close, end of exercise, right? Now, in all of this, uh, the partners sitting around the table sat stony-faced, uh, they were scribbling various things, but no one said anything. Uh, and when we finished, they said, okay, thank you very much, that's the end of the day. Uh, appreciate you coming in, et cetera, et cetera, and we'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> no one else said a word. Uh, I shook hands with uh, everyone in the room and, and left. And I remember this vividly as a point in my life. You know, I left the building at, at 6 p.m. This was in London, and I had to take the, the metro, uh, the underground, you know, to the main uh, train line station to get home. And um, just as I was walking down the steps, and it must have been about maybe 10 minutes later, so maybe 10 past six, walking out from the building down to the, the metro station, uh, my phone started ringing, my cell phone, and um, I answered that as a number I didn't recognize. And uh, a voice said, uh, Samar. I was like, yes. So this is David. Uh, we met today. I said, oh, we did? He said, yes, no, I'm, I'm a partner at the firm, and we met earlier today, you might recall. I said, oh, yes, yes, how are you, David? He said, uh, Samar, that was absolutely stunning. No one has ever done that before. We're going to offer you the position right now. It's yours. Yes. I love that. <laughs> I, I love that. And, uh, when, you, when you see somebody step up and take that role of authority, you may not have the authority, like my title, or you haven't earned, you haven't earned it yet because you hadn't gotten the role yet. You took on the mantle of authority by literally just walking to the front of the room, which then inspired somebody else to also take on some mantle of authority and the courage to step up. Which I think right. is, just, as a leader, that's what you want. You want. You not only do you want to embody that, but you want to create an environment of people who report to you that embody that that mantle of authority and leadership. Yeah, I think um, you know that instinct uh, came to me. I think you know uh, earlier in my life, and say you know, uh, the moment occurred to me. Uh, I had actually you know uh, done a little bit of um, military service in, in college, and you know these uh, kind of um, figurative tricks i remember one of the older officers explaining to me to say look if you take on a commission you know in one of the uh, uh forces 
what will happen is that you go to officer college, et cetera, right? You graduate, you get a shiny sword and a uniform and everyone salutes you and your mom thinks you're amazing. Uh, but when day one happens, you actually start, you land in your platoon or your ship or, or your squadron, uh, you will suddenly be faced with much older people mm-hmm. who are far more experienced than you, right? So you are 22, 23, 25-year-old uh, graduate Right, it's just been through college, officer school, whatever, and suddenly now you're in charge of all these people, money, and resources. And you said the initial challenge is you know, to get authority with these people, not because you have stripes on your arm or whatever, but because they respect you. Yes. Um, and that is earned, and one cannot assume that just because you, know, you have pips on your shoulder or whatever it may be, uh, that people will respect you. Uh, and so you have to establish rapport, you have to establish trust, you have to uh, walk with authority, but also in the right way, also be humble bec- uh, and not give the impression that, yes, I'm a know-it-all, I know everything and blah, 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 because you might be ge- dealing with someone who's more junior than you, but has got 20, 25, 30 years experience of doing this and knows everything about the entire operation. You need that person to be on your side. And, you know, having had that kind of, uh, you know, formative experience that kind of occurred to me in that boardroom scenario, you know, I never did end up, you know, joining the military as such, but I remember that story uh, to say, ah, okay, you know, you need to exude uh, that level of natural leadership that people are willing to listen to you. Um, And it was also, you know, uh, another uh, bit of training I think I had at university when I did my MBA as well, which is, in terms of you know, how do people perceive authority, right? So you look at authority symbols that people have. You know, a policeman has a has a truncheon, uh, for example. You know, or a doctor has a, st- a stethoscope, etc. Um, you know, what does a management consultant have, right? Um, right. So you just just a pen, right? Yeah. Uh, how, however, it's how you wield that pen, right? Uh, there's no point in keeping it in your pocket, mm-hmm. right? But when you you stand up and then people uh, gravitate to, to you in that second, you've only got a quarter of a second, uh, or, or kind of something of that order to now close the deal. People are thinking, Oh, he's going to walk out of here. Oh, he's going to say something silly or he's going to fall over. or He's going to vomit all over the table. No. <laughs> you've only got a quarter of a second, half a second to close that impression that actually he knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Right? And so it's not a question of, uh, faking it till you make it, but approaching it with the right humility to say, I do have a strong idea of how to solve this problem, but I want to take you with me, right? Actually, you know, uh, Janet, John, Paul, Sally in the room, you're all experts in your domain. I want to hear from you, right? Just by saying that, I am now giving them uh, the authority and putting them in the right mental space to say, oh, yes, of course, of course I'm an expert, Right. But I have become the referee. I've become the leader to say, I'll take your idea. That's great. Let me write that down. Uh, and then I will help uh, develop that into the final solution. So in that way, everyone then feels they have a stake in that. right? Um, and again, there's something that I picked up on the sports field, something I picked up you know, through uh, that, that military service, which is uh, I was taught you know, before giving anyone an order in, in a military sense that a uh, responsible officer takes input, you know, from, from all of his staff right then and there. Yes, there are situations where you have to give an order immediately to do something because of danger, whatever it is. Uh, 
However, in most instances, right, 99.99% of the time, you're not under direct fire or anything like that, right? So you still have to take the input to say, okay, what do you think? What do you think? Okay, now I will take a decision. And then you realize later in life, become more mature. I mean, any organization, uh, where, whether it's, it's politics, whether it's finance, whether it's uh, management, uh, an effective leader is someone who always takes the input and therefore builds the respect of their direct reports and will also show that, yes, I'm an expert in a particular area or I've had some experience or training or education that has put me in this position. However, I respect you as a colleague. I respect you as a, as a, um, yeah, as a direct report, for example. Okay. I want to hear from you. That makes a lot of sense. If it doesn't, I'll tell you why. Right, and give you my input around that to say that's a good idea, but actually you might want to think about it this way. So framing all of these things, you know, getting back to that situation, it all just became a, a lightning moment in my head. It just came together, bang, just like that. Yeah, I I love it. I I remember what your story there about you know thinking back to your time in university uh, when I I went to Georgia Tech and I started off as a chemical engineering major and I spent time working at a paper mill. Well, I, I don't know if you've had any exposure with paper mills. Number one, they smell really, really bad, but it's the smell of money because you're 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 making paper. Everybody <laughs> uses paper every day. Right. Um, yes. But it's very dangerous, right? Because it's um, you know highly combustible. A lot of the you know the outputs of of that that paper making process. So I remember sitting in the room with all the engineers. You know, I'm I'm there for my quarter. You know, working for a quarter, learning on the job kind of scenario, and they brought in this this older gentleman. Uh, probably close to retirement age. I don't even know if he completed high school, but he knew that manufacturing facility from start to finish. He basically grew up in that in that building and he knew everything about it. So you've got all these people who went through multiple years of engineering, you know, have multiple degrees, but before they would do anything, they brought this guy in to say, hey, does this, does this, will this really work? Like it works on paper, will it really work in the real world? And so I learned through that internship that all because I may have a piece of paper, right, that has my name on it that says I have this degree, or in your instance, I have the stripes on my shoulder that when I went through officer school, doesn't mean you can't have that humility, that being humble to say, hey, let's let's hear from the people who really know how to do it, the frontline associates, the ones that are dealing with it every day. That in turn will help you be way more successful in whatever initiative you're rolling out. Yes, absolutely. I think you're spot on there. And I think, you know, uh, educational training or formal qualifications and a substitute for experience. Mm -hmm. But also, you know, um, as we've touched upon here is having the right attitude. Right. So respecting those people that you are taking on. And as you described, you know, uh, your audience are people transitioning, you know, from, into management at that juncture. Mm -hmm. So at that juncture, this becomes uh, critically important that now you've taken on authority your experience of, of reporting to the, the boss that you've replaced or, or, or that promotion that you've taken on is still very fresh, yeah. right? So you also have insight quite often in terms of what works and what doesn't, right? Um, we've all had those, you know, uh, water cooler discussions about, you know, our boss is this or our boss is that. No disrespect to my current boss, of course. Um, <laughs> no, but we've, <laughs> you know, um, but let, let's face it, right? Of, of course we have, right? So whether it's over a cup of coffee or, or whatever, or you, you meet, uh, you know, work friends, et cetera, people obviously talk, right? People have, mm -hmm. everyone has an opinion, right? 
for good or for bad. And you can remember uh, your great teachers. You can remember, you know, great friends or people who helped you out. You remember great bosses. And I also remember throughout my career, you know, for every step, there's, I've always been fortunate to have you know, access to a great mentor or to a great boss who's helped me. And I've had some not so good ones as well. Uh, haven't we all, right? Um, but I think back to say, I really appreciated how that particular boss engaged with me at that particular juncture uh, and understood where I was in my career journey and my thought process and was willing to spend the extra time with me uh, to explain, to frame, to help me understand and say, you no, know, great, your enthusiasm, your ideas, et cetera, that they make a lot of sense. It's really good. You know, uh, however, you know, to get this moving in this company, in this organization, there's certain things that you need to be aware of, right? Or certain uh, words you need to use or certain people you need to influence. And what tends to happen is that, you know, what you did in your previous role, uh, when you were kind of more perhaps operationally focused or tactically focused, when you move into management, and ultimately strategy, um, the landscape changes completely on how to get things done. Because A, you have to get things done through other people. Uh, but B, you also have to manage the, the network of other relationships inside the organization, mm -hmm. right? And for want of a better word, that is, uh, we can paraphrase that as politics, right? One doesn't have to become, you know, a master negotiator or, you know, start playing a Game of Thrones. Uh, but you need to be able to navigate, right? And that's, that thing is, has been a more of a, a tough journey for me over time uh, because the more senior you get, the more impact there is of, of these things. And uh, things like, you know, uh, managing expectations, both up and down, uh, setting criteria for success that are achievable for your own direct reports, but also for yourself, right? Uh, and also dealing with, uh, with failure. Right. Not everything is, is a smooth sailing. Let's face it. Right. Uh, we all have day to day issues and challenges and problems. And as people managers or as managers of our organization, we also have to handle those. Right. Um, and be able to handle them dispassionately. And then maybe related to individuals and their performance or they may be related to the company performance, things that, that can be done better. Uh, but at the same time, being able to you know, stick your hand up either as a manager to your senior management to say, look, I have an issue or problem here, not being afraid of that, uh, but equally also standing up for your direct reports uh, where they feel confident enough to share with you uh, issues and problems that perhaps over time you're not exposed to on a daily basis, but it's important that you understand them. Yeah, it's you create that, that layer, right? And if you can help, you don't want to protect your entire, protect might be the wrong word, but I'm a big fan of fail fast, improve, and then go do it even better, right? And if you don't give your team grace to have some of those micro failures, it turns into one really big failure because they don't want to share. They don't want to share what, what issues might be coming up with a deployment or with a project that you're working on or whatever the case may be. And that, that creates real problems. And yeah, you you're absolutely right there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you need to create the space to uh, learn from your mistakes. And as as you enter management, you know, have the appropriate culture. It's okay to get it wrong as long as you own that and you learn from it. Right? You don't want is, is someone just going down a complete path of, of total failure all the time, but also not getting the support. Now, there may be root causes associated with that, right, in terms of understanding, enablement, capability, whatever it is. 
you know, being able to di diagnose that and help help the individual involved or the team involved, that makes a huge difference, right? Because people appreciate that quality in you as a leader that you you see that and you're there to help, uh, not to stand over them with a clipboard, right? Which is probably right. the <laughs> worst type of, uh, of manager you could have. Right, right. No, totally agree. Now, I like to always end uh, my conversations with a question. If you could go back some more 20 years and talk to yourself from 20 years ago, what advice would you give yourself? Oh, that's a tough one. I think, um, I think 20 years ago, I certainly felt, you know, uh, management and leadership was something that, you know, I was very keen to do. So that wasn't the issue per se. Um, it's, it's the political reality. And I think I wasn't as prepared uh, for that shift in tone. And it's one thing uh, to manage the teams and to success because you set goals and visions and all of that and people work together and you can build a good camaraderie. But what tends to happen is even if your team is a great unit working with you, all the other teams around your organization sometimes are competing with you, have different perspectives, and that creates friction points and, and politics. And so I think one advice uh, I wish I'd given my younger self, you know, is to spend a little more time to understand that better to navigate for success, because then sometimes this can really uh, dishearten you or slow you down uh, because of ABC uh, issues that you experience. But actually, what I've realized over those 20 years, they're human constants. They don't change from, from one organization, one profession to another, right? Whether you're a doctor, a lawyer, accountant, dentist, or whatever it is, at one level, you will have to deal with these kinds of uh, negotiations. And so don't leave that behind as part of your development uh, as a, a successful leader. Yeah, I love that. I love that so much. So if people want to follow you, get to know you a little bit better, is the be best way LinkedIn? Absolutely. That's my uh, primary platform. So please reach out and connect on LinkedIn. Uh, more than happy to if everyone, anyone has any questions or comments or I would even like to join me on my own podcast. Uh, please do reach out. I'm more than delighted to hear from people uh, and share their perspectives on this. Uh, LinkedIn is the easiest way to reach me. What is the name of your podcast? So I've created a LinkedIn live podcast called The Strategy Remix. Uh, okay. It's also on YouTube, all one word, The Strategy Remix. So feel free to look me up and uh, more than happy to engage. Well, we will definitely put that in the show notes as well, because I, I want people to continue to hear your message and, and learn from the experiences that, that you shared today and in other avenues. So what I, some of the notes I took down was around preparation. So being prepared for the opportunity that was coming your way and having a few tricks up your sleeve. Right. So it wasn't just like preparing for what you knew was going to be a very structured interview and taking that time to really be be mentally prepared for it, but you're like, hey, what, what else do I need to have in, in my back pocket? And then I also loved your commentary on approaching situations with humility so that you can take your team with you on your vision. And so those were some of the big takeaways I had. I know there's probably a million other nuggets that other people will get, but Samar, really, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, you're probably my furthest distance guest so far. So um, I really appreciate your time uh, to join us on Might in Motion. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I really enjoyed this discussion and uh, more than happy to, to come back on another topic if you like.
That sounds great. Thank you for tuning into Might in Motion. If you learned something about motivation, momentum, mindfulness, or might, please like, comment, and share. Thank you.